Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning everyone and welcome. It is 9 o'clock and we are looking at a temperature as we have been suffering so much here of 78 degrees i keep looking for those beautiful mornings when it's down around 70 72 it's going to happen but not yet and (laughs) many of you guys know that up in the north where you're getting some really cold cold mornings now 78 would uh feel pretty good for us it's still uh we're you know we're gonna as soon as that sun pops over the mountain we're gonna be 80 degrees and that's just gonna be a little much but so far We are enjoying clear skies and uh, lower humidity. It's not bad. So uh, many of you guys have made the trek down and are still coming, so we invite you to come uh, over and see us. We are here. So we are in the book of Ezekiel today, starting two new books, Ezekiel and Hebrews. Before we get there, we'll look at this day in trivia. Uh, By the way, uh, just because it's there on their page, when is a door not a door? It's easy when it's a jar. How many doors do you know can turn into a jar? Mm-hmm. A man's mind, once stretched by a new idea, never again regains its original dimension. Quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes, Sr. Good quote. Not going to cover a lot this day in trivia, just a couple of things here. My wife would like this. Sesame Street began November 10th, 1969. On this day, based on two years of research from a laboratory and informative research of children's growth and educational needs, it was based on that, and that's how they started it. The Guinness Book of World Records began on this day, 1951. Sir Hugh Beaver becomes involved in an argument over which was the fastest game bird in Europe, the Golden Pulver or the Red Grouse. Realizing it was impossible to confirm and reference books whether or not one was faster than the other, he decided to make his own book. Um, to answer many of the questions debated in, the, in nightly in the pubs there in England. And so he hired two men to begin the process of writing a book of gaining information can instant success. Dr. Livingston, I presume, November 10th, 1871. This says, Henry Stanley finds Scottish explorer David Livingston in, in Africa, prompting the question. Dr. Livingston, I presume. Many of us went through school learning about this, but it's interesting revisionist history. This says, explorer David Livingston. He was a missionary. I don't think he ever considered himself an explorer, although he explored. He was a missionary taking God's love Uh, to the African people and therefore committed his whole life to it and was being greatly used, like Paul going around sharing the gospel. Henry Stanley was a writer, a columnist, and an explorer. had served in the military, heard about Livingston. This was very unusual. This Scottish, English, I don't remember. He was a Scottish man devoting his whole life to the African people over there. So he goes to find him, I'm sure, to write about him. Don't know the whole story after that. 
But this is where the famous quote comes from, and I had always learned that he was an explorer, didn't learn very much about his life as a missionary. He was a very strong believer. The Garden of Eden. <laughs> Today, Adam and Eve are ejected out of the garden, as calculated in 1658 by Archbishop James Usher of Armagh, Ireland. He used a combination of biblical and historical documents to calculate this date that they were ejected from the Garden of Eden, November 10th, 404 B.C. And I applaud this man's uh, deep study into the Scripture. He could be right. I tend to go with an early young earth chronology, and you don't have to at all, but I do believe God's pretty literal when he says he, you know, made the earth in six days. And there is a comfortable... Uh, amount of information in the Old Testament scriptures for chronology. It cannot be proven definitively. When you look at these uh, these lives of who lived, how long, and and how that all works out, but it is compelling. And I will say, it's more biblical than the whole idea of billions and billions of years based on evolution which has crept into the church. And so there's, there's a mix now in the church, and people say, well, it has to be billions of years old because science has proven it. And I would tell you that science has not proven it. And if you go to Answers in Genesis and listen to their geologists and listen to their scientists, they have sound scientific and biblical arguments, very sound, very well-researched for a young earth theory and in fact, uh, it may well be that our Earth is between six and seven thousand years old. And I know that sounds like shocking to some people, but I would just encourage you to go to Answers in Genesis and do your research and come to your own conclusions. Berlin Wall, November tenth, nineteen eighty-nine. The German troops begin dismantling the twenty-eight-year-old wall. Remember it well. Praise God that thing came down. Well, let's see what we have in the way of dad jokes this morning. A man walks in to a magic forest and tries to cut down a talking tree. You can't cut me down, the tree complains. I'm a talking tree. Man responds, you may be a talking tree, but you will be a dialogue. Okay, we did that one before, but it should be dying log, but a dialogue. I can't even Oh, uh, now this one, this one's really appropriate to what we've gone through these days. I heard Sony's coming out with a new console during the pandemic. It's called the Plague Station 5. <laughs> hey, truth is stranger than fiction. We might see that happen in the future at some point. Well, let's go over to Ezekiel chapter 1 now. Father, thank you for bringing us together and allowing us to enjoy this time looking into your word. You're a good God, and we just desire to grow in, in knowledge and in grace and to let your word just filtrate through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it came to pass in the 13th year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river Chebar. By the way, I bet I should stop here. And just mentioned that Ezekiel is in Babylon during the captivity. It would have been good to start with that. And he's been there for a while. Uh, Daniel has actually 
been there for a while. I don't know why we're not reading Daniel first, because he was there at least nine years before Ezekiel. So my my little um, chronological reading algorithm is not perfect. It doesn't get everything just right. But anyway, he's there writing. He's living the same time as Jeremiah. Jeremiah's like on the outside looking in towards Babylon, uh, and, and Ezekiel's in Babylon. He had been deported some years earlier. So he's writing there from that perspective. On the 13th year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river Chebar among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's exile, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar. And there the hand of the Lord came upon him. As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and bright light around it, and in its midst something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. Within it there were figures resembling four living beings. And this was their appearance. They had human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, and their feet were like calves' hoofs, and they gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, were human hands. As for the faces and the wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another around. Their faces did not turn when they moved. Each went straight forward. As for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right and the face of a bull on the left. And all four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. Their wings were spread out above. Each had two touching another being and two covering their bodies. Each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. In the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. The fire was bright, and lightning was flashing from the fire, and the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. Now as I looked at the living beings, behold, there was one wheel on the earth beside the living beings, For each of the four of them, the appearance of the wheels and their workmanship was like sparkling barrel, and the four of them had the same form, their appearance and their workmanship being as if one wheel were within another. Whenever they moved, they moved in any of the four directions without turning as they moved. As for their rims, they were lofty and awesome, and the rims of the four of them were full of eyes round about. Whenever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. And whenever the living beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose also. Whenever the spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction. And the wheels rose close beside them, for the spirit of the living being was in the wheels. Whenever those rose, these went. And whenever those stood still, these stood still. And whenever those rose from the earth, the wheels rose close beside them, for the spirit of the living being was in the wheels. Verse 22. 
Now, over the heads of the living being, there was something like an expanse, like an awesome gleam of crystal spread over their heads. Under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight, one towards the other. Each one also had two wings covering its body on the one side and on the other. I also heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of abundant waters as they went, like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse that was over the heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. Now above the expanse, That was over their heads. There was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazuli, in appearance. And on that which resembled the throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upwards something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire. And there was a radiance around him, as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice speaking. Chapter 2. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, that I may speak with you. As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me. And set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. Then he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed me to this very day. I am sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. And you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they listen or not, For they are a rebellious house. They will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, neither fear them nor fear their words. Though thistles and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, neither fear their words or be dismayed at their presence, for they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Now you, son of man, listen to what I'm speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. Then I looked and behold, a hand was extended to me and a scroll was in it. When he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and on the back and written on it were lamentations, mournings and woe. Chapter three. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me this scroll. He said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll which I am giving you. Then I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel, nor to many peoples of unintelligible speech or difficult language, whose words you cannot understand. 
But I have sent you to them who should listen to you. The house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, take into your heart all my words which I will speak to you, and listen closely. Go to the exiles, to the sons of your people, and speak to them, and tell them, whether they listen or not, thus says the Lord God. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard a great rumbling sound behind me. Blessed be the glory of the Lord in his place. And I heard the sound of the wings of the living beings touching one another, and the sound of the wheels beside them, even a great rumbling sound. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went embittered in the rage of my spirit, and the hand of the Lord was strong on me. Then I came to the exiles who lived beside the river Chebar at Tel Abib, and I sat there seven days where they were living, causing consternation among them. At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked ways that he may live, the wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked and he does not turn from the wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Again, when a righteous may turn away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I place an obstacle before him, he will die. Since you have not warned him, he shall die in his sin, and his righteous deeds, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. However, if you have warned the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning, and you have delivered yourself. The hand of the Lord was over me there, and he said to me, Go up, go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. So I got up and went out to the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord was standing there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. The Spirit then entered me and made me stand on my feet, and he spoke with me and said to me, Go, shut yourself up in your house. As for you, son of man, they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. Moreover, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be mute and cannot be a man who rebukes them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who hears, let him hear. He who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. There you go, the beginning of Ezekiel there in Babylon, being called by God to be a mouthpiece for God to his rebellious house, his people. Now, the all-important question, these wheels, and we're going to get into this more as we continue on a little bit. 
There is not a UFO fanatic in the world that does not read this and go, UFOs, right away. And they go, it's obvious. This is in in the Old Testament they're experiencing UFO. And yet, all they do is look at the spinning wheels arising and settling and moving. And yet, they never make reference to the cherubim with the four faces and the spirit of God that is in them. Rarely the wheel, the eyes, sometimes they do. But they don't ever make mention of this opening, like it says, something like glass or crystal above them, which seems to be like almost a portal, an opening to look up. And above them is the throne of God. And and you see this person moving about, which seems to be like a Christophany, on the throne with these amazing colors all around and these lights that are flashing. It's the glory of God and his throne of God. And what's so amazing to this is that God is now coming down again to man to cross the barrier between the dimensions to speak to man to say, I still want to redeem you. Remember by this time, the temple, around this time, the temple is destroyed. So there, the glory of God in the holy place, the holy of holies, has no is no longer there. So now... If you'll allow my imagination a little bit, he's gone mobile. <laughs> well, we can, we know that's true because he's mobile now in us. But he's moving over, and his glory now is coming over to Babylon, where he is now opening up the a breach in the dimension between heaven and earth and looking down upon Ezekiel. And he sees these amazing beings and these amazing wheels and I, it's like Paul. You, it would be a crime to try and definitively say this is what it is. I mean, we don't know. It is what it is. It is what it's explained to be, something I can't explain. But it was glorious. And it was Holy Spirit driven. And the Holy Spirit was moving. What we're supposed to see in this, the Holy Spirit was moving amongst a rebellious people, saying, I still want you to understand where you went wrong and I want you to come back. And so there, therein lies so much of the interpretation application for us. Even when we're rebellious, God's spirit can come and speak to us. And he speaks to us now strongly through Ezekiel, through the prophets that were written down. And his word is living. It still speaks through those same words. Don't be rebellious. Come back. If you are warned and you turn from it, then you will be saved. And we are being warned against the rebelliousness of our nature. So see that in the New Testament sense. All the apostles did that, coming into the church, warning the people against our rebellious nature to humble ourselves before God and let him lift you up to turn back. We know we're in captivity. We know our sin has led us into captivity and we need to be set free. And so we look to our Savior, and we ask him to come in and free us. And he is willing to do it if we're willing to take him at his word. Hebrews chapter 1 now. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. 
and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, O Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens and the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will become old like a garment and like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Chapter 2 For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through the angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, and by various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Verse 5, For he did not subject to angels the world to come, concerning which you are speaking, but one has testified somewhere, saying, What is man that you will remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him a little lower than the angels, and have crowned him with glory and honor, and have appointed him over the works of your hands. And you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subject to him. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he may taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, 
I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Phenomenal book, the book of Hebrews. The whole book is really focused on the high priesthood of Jesus Christ, Jesus as our high priest, and interceding for us. And there's great comparisons. We read this after we just read Ezekiel. And Ezekiel looks up and he sees above the cherubim this throne with these amazing colors of a rainbow. And these lights going back and forth and all centered around the throne of God. And there is one like the appearance of a man. That is Jesus. God is spirit. does not have the form of a man, but Jesus does. And it says here that Jesus is given a throne in, in Hebrews. And it is a, a really nice segue from the Old Testament to the New Testament is going to Hebrews. And we see the glory and the majesty of Jesus being noticed by Ezekiel. Yet in the New Testament, we now see that he has become lower than the angels. He takes on that which was in appearance, in appearance, and again, he's outside of time, so don't let it mess up your mind too much, but he has the appearance of a man, and so in heaven he does have the appearance, physicality of a human body, how that works, I'm not sure, but he takes on flesh when he's born of the virgin, and then comes into our world, and makes himself lower than the angel, so he can identify with us. And so that he can take on our sin as the perfect Lamb of God, but also that he can make intercession for us as the high priest. Jesus is both the priest that offers up the, the perfect Lamb, the spotless Lamb for our sins to make propitiation, and he is the Lamb himself. Both are true of Jesus. And Hebrews really develops a lot, this idea of him as the high priest interceding for you that he cares enough about you, that he brings you before the Father. And we understand from this that he is the Son of God, the only begotten of God. And, of course, our Muslim friends have gotten that mixed up and wrong for generations, as many people have. Those, uh, one is Pentecostals, different people that don't understand or believe in the Trinity. Begotten is it's not only in quantity, but also in position. He's the first in position, the first in in the line of power and glory and authority. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is positionally begotten. He is given the sonship 
by the Father. And the three are one. And you see this theme run throughout because there in the Old Testament, we go back to that in Ezekiel, and you see him on the throne. You see the angels around him. You see the glory around him. And he is represented there as deity. And so we bring him forth. He's now made lower than the angels, but he's still, even though positionally he is the second person of the Trinity, he still maintains deity. He is fully God, fully man. And as the high priest, then he can offer up and he is worthy. He is able to offer up for us because he is pure and spotless himself as the priest. He is sinless and can make intercession for us before the Father. And then he is himself the offering. It's amazing. Never gets boring. When you study God, if you really study the Bible, it's never boring. It always blows your mind. You just got to keep looking and, and let it speak to you and let it show you. And I'm sure Charles uh, Spurgeon would, would echo that and, and, of course, expound on that and say it in words that I could never even think of in the old King James way of proper English. Walk without stumbling is the title that we have from him today. Psalm 121, verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. If the Lord will not suffer it, neither man nor devils can do it. How greatly would they rejoice if they could give us a disgraceful fall, drive us from our position, and bury us out of memory. They could do this to their heart's content were it not for one hindrance, and only one. The Lord will not suffer it. And if he does not suffer it, we shall not suffer it. The way of life is like traveling among the Alps. Along the mountain path, one is constantly exposed to the slipping of the foot. Where the way is high, the head is apt to swim, and then the feet soon slide. There are spots which are smooth as glass and others that are rough with loose stones, and in either of these a fall is hard to avoid. He, who throughout his life is enabled to keep himself upright, and to walk without stumbling, has the best of reason for gratitude. What, with pitfalls and snares, weak knees, weary feet, and subtle enemies, no child of God should stand fast for an hour were it not for the faithful love of which will not suffer his foot to be moved. Amidst a thousand snares I stand, upheld and guarded by thy hand. That hand unseen shall hold me still and lead me to thy holy hill. Pretty amazing. God is our protector, and God will not allow the enemy to take us down. We, by our sin and our rebellion, can. The enemy can tempt us to fall, but the the fall itself is going to come really by our own choice in my opinion, our free will, that if we decide to walk away from him, but he is able and he's there to uphold us, to steady our feet, to make our paths straight, and I think to make our path solid as the rock, since that is what we stand upon. We stand upon Jesus as the rock of our foundation. I think in that, 
he makes the path solid for us if we are then focused in on that. So, Father God, thank you for this morning and, as always, for your love for us. And we see this theme as we go through your word, your incredible ability to reach out to people that have walked away and rejected you in, and coming down to the earth and, and making yourself known to us and saying, I even still now want to intercede for you, even now am willing to intercede for, before the Father for your own sins, to cleanse you and make you whole, and will myself become that sacrifice so that you can come into the Father and you can breach that separation and see the glory of God on his throne and see the angels around it and the amazing power of the Holy Spirit and the amazing colors and and the glory that is all there, things we cannot even begin to explain. So we thank you, God, for that. What an amazing thought. What an amazing thing to take through our day. As well as we looked last night as we were in your word of the throne, God, and how you established it for Solomon and how it is just a, a glorious thing to see how he went before you and offered up those sacrifices. And, and your glory filled the temple that everybody had to run out. We see that you are a consuming fire, but you don't consume those that are willing to come before you. you instead, you fill them, and they become part of that fire. They radiate out this holy smoke, this holy fire, this brightness which then is spreading to the entire world. So thank you for the work you are doing through us, and thank you that we see that you are a most holy, powerful, and living God. And we ask, God, that you continue to work in us and do what you will in us. Thank you for the evangelism team going out tonight. May you bless them mightily and put your spirit upon them that they may touch lives and see people's eternities turned around. May you continue to use those who came last night and are now sharing and are taking the word into their workplace and into their day, that they maintain their walk with you. And those that are listening on the podcast, those that are listening on the radio, those that are listening here on the web, that they continue to take your word every single day with them and understand your call in their life and your continual presence and willingness to intercede for them and make them sons and daughters. So we thank you that there is so much hope that we have. Uh, so much hope that we have in all of these things, God. So we want to pray for various needs right now, people that are sick, obviously. For Juan Carlos, who's getting close, I think, to the end of his radiation treatment. We're excited for that to see how he does. And uh, some other people that have been going through treatments, God, pray that you bless them. Want to pray for uh, a couple that often come to our church when they're here in town, Philippa and Barry, that you um, that you help them because they're feeling sick, and we pray that that you heal them. Pray for our friend Peter that uh, he gets a good report from his doctor, and that the doctors can find out what's wrong with him and heal him. And we want to lift up others that have something going on that they feel horrible and just the people that are feeling kind of this this whole covid thing a little bit but often it's just a flu and people are just passing it around so we want to pray for them we want to pray for mariana blanca's daughter she had some bad reactions to medication so we want to pray that you stabilize her body and uh you 
God just touch her neurological system and heal her and bring her whole body chemistry back into order, Father, that you do that supernaturally. And may Blanca be able to minister to her, continue to share, God, the hope that uh, is in your word and that they, they know that you are in charge, that you are over the, their lives and that they don't walk in fear, but they just walk in, in the knowledge that you are the great healer and will continue to heal them. So we want to continue to pray for um, Maribel's family. Now that she's gone home and graduated to be with you, God, we, we thank you and we acknowledge and we don't back away or shy away from saying that you brought her the ultimate healing. You took her home. We know that to be true for those that know you. And through that, upwards of 20 people came to know you because they came in contact with the reality of the fact that we are mortal beings and that we're only on this planet for a short time. And so you used her life here on this earth for a phenomenal purpose, God, to bring others into life eternal and a blessed life. So we thank you. We thank you for Miss Madi being such a, a phenomenal witness for you and being bold and sharing that hope as she has the ability to do after seeing her own husband go home. And so she had the perfect platform and she has such a stability and she knows what is beyond the veil and what is in the next life. So we thank you for that and how people could see that and we see how they're now in a part of your body, part of your church, and we, we rejoice in that. We thank you for Maribel. No better way than to go out of this world and into yours than to give the gift of eternity to be a testimony of the reality of your love for this humankind. And thank you for their family and thank you for all that you're doing through them. May you continue to use Miss Maddie in that instance. But we would now pray for Maddie Bell's mom, who is obviously um, missing her daughter very much. And from what I understand, may herself be sick and may herself need healing as well as her sister. So we want to pray for healing for them. There's a lot, Father, going on in this world, and so many people need your touch. May you continue to heal those in the war-torn countries. Maintain, God, this peace on Ukraine and, and Russia. We thank you there's been no nuclear exchange. We thank you there's been no major attack, even with China. We accept that as a victory, God, in prayer. Thank you so much for that. May you continue to hold the line there, God, and, and bring peace. And we want to pray for Abigail coming home from visiting Esti in Italy, that um, she has a wonderful flight home and a safe flight, and no problems with transportation of any kind or any problems with uh, the immigration going from one country back here that everything just goes very, very smooth. So thank you, Father, for this day. We praise you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, i got to leave you guys because i got to start Spanish right now. I'm, I'm running late. So I will just say goodbye. We'll see you tomorrow, same time. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.